Hello? Morning time greetings, driver unit one. Oh, Ron, thanks for calling. Uh, you'll be pleased to know that I had a good night's sleep and I'm uh, feeling fine. That is not the explanatory reason for my telephonic communication. You're not calling to see how I am? Affirmative. Then why are you calling? Which says what? All breakages must be paid for. Transmission ends. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, he's Zog. Hello. He's Richard. Hello. And I'm guessing that you guys did what we did over the weekend. You got up early to watch the Formula One. Now, we'll come to qualifying in the moment, but I got up to watch the press conference before first practice. That's how committed. Oh, that's, did, yeah. that's hardcore. Actually, I quite enjoyed it because Lewis, I thought for the first time ever... Well, first time in a long time, was genuinely cool. He's got better facial hair this year, and he seemed genuinely disinterested in answering some of the questions. Two questions he was asked, his answer was, I've got no answer for that. (laughs) Wasn't he being called on doing a selfie while riding a motorbike? He was displaying some slightly twattish behaviour in his little spell in New Zealand. uh, Yeah. Yeah, there was the selfie on the... tantrum, didn't he, about not being allowed into a casino, or being thrown out of a casino. that's right, not being allowed in, that's right, treated like dirt or something, he said. But I thought he was genuinely likeable in this, in a rare moment. And the best question he was asked at the press conference. So, Lewis, do you use a Blackberry or an iPhone? (laughs) Oh, no, but that's because... Weren't they trying to catch him out? Because he was using an iPhone and they're sponsored by Blackberry. Yeah. So, actually, it was a little bit of a twatty question. Doesn't doesn't everybody that's sponsored by Blackberry actually use an iPhone? Isn't that the truth? Well, we know. Doesn't the boss of Google, wasn't he caught (laughs) this week using an iPhone? And before that, he sort of unashamedly said, I've got a Blackberry. It's like he doesn't like Android or something. But Lewis's answer when they asked him, Do you use a Blackberry or an iPhone? His answer was, Damning. I use both, is what he said. So, clearly, the stuff that you can't do on a Blackberry that you have to have an iPhone for. That's the message there. Poor Lewis. Or and if you've got Lewis's money, you just think, oh, that is good. Yeah. I'll have one of those. Yeah. No, I'll have two of them. I've actually got seven different mobile phones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've got a Windows phone as well. <laughs> just the only person who has. Yeah, it's now a collector's item. So we enjoyed having Formula One back. But did we enjoy the new version of qualifying? Zog? Well, okay. I was open-minded going into it. I loved the first session, actually. When the first session was playing out, I thought, OK, this is working well. Going I, well. You know, I like the drama that's been added here with the elimination. It seems to be working well. But in the second and third sessions, it's a whole different story. And by the time you got to the end of qualifying, when three or four minutes to go in the final qualifying session, nobody is going out. Yep. And everyone's just sitting in the garage, and you're just waiting for people to be ticked off the list. No, how it's, how it's, did we get there? You know, it, disaster. Yeah. But well, I thought it that it did somebody. It was, I think it might have been already, uh, so. Christian Horner. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who said that there was some suggestion that what they wanted was the new format for the first and second session and then the third to go back to the way it was. Just uh-huh. a straight shootout. Straight shootout. Yeah. Because then you would have avoided that. Yeah. Well, exactly what happened on Saturday. There might be some fine-tuning that you could do to the rules that would make it work better in that if you had already started a lap, yes. you know, when that 90 seconds or when that next increment of time ticks away 
you can still complete that lap. Yeah, I, I would have said exactly the same. Yeah, that was probably the only tweak that you needed for that bit. What you, I think, lost was the sense of jeopardy that here was someone trying to beat his time. It's like, here's your chance, how your chance is gone. It was almost like drivers were denied the opportunity to prove what a good driver they were. Let me give you an analogy. I took my driving test in the UK, failed it, went to America, passed the California test. That was my first driving licence, was a California driver's licence. Most people just retake the UK test as quite extreme. (laughs) I'll sneak in the back way. The reason I think I failed in the UK and passed in California my first attempt was, in Britain, they're trying to catch you out. Right, nah, you couldn't you fail there? You didn't come up to the standard. Well, that's a good British way of doing a test. Indeed. I put it to you, sir. Yeah, but in America, it's like, come on, you can do this. Come on, you, you can really pass. They yeah. really want you to achieve, and that's a very American culture thing. Yeah, that's but, true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, which, you could say that Americans regard driving as a right, whereas for yes. us, it's a privilege. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, good point. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, that's a very good. Yeah, that is a good point. So the analogy here is that we were denying. It was almost as if these rules were invented by someone trying to stop drivers from going out there proving no no you've had your chance you can't go and do it again whereas what we want is what you suggest if you're out there and the time stops okay now is your chance come on here's your last chance that whole idea of like the X Factor last chance saloon thing where you get to come back from let's have a look at your journey yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it was round and round that bit over there Um, uh, do you know what though Uh, because the thing is I was thinking this is very bad for Formula 1 very bad in PR terms it makes them look indecisive and stupid the thing is what I've realised is when you think things like that as a Formula 1 fan you're thinking oh no what does the outside world think well the outside world doesn't give a flying monkey's bum Mm -hmm. that's the answer so it's all about us lot us lot who like F1 but what is frustrating for us is that it just reinforces the idea that the sport is being run in a rather inept way where they're just desperately throwing monkey poo at a wall and seeing what sticks. Yes, throwing ideas out there. And, and it's, it's just, just useless. Let's try something different. The annoying thing to me is that they clearly can't have been thought through that thoroughly. Well, it- this is what's annoying about it. Yeah. Because we know that all the teams, certainly all the top teams, have zillions of gigafarts of computing power back at their factories and they can run entire race simulations not just once, but hundreds and hundreds of potential permutations of what will happen in a race. Not one of those teams was asked, I presume, to run a virtual qualifying session to see what would happen and how it would shake down. Although, despite that, I believe some drivers and people from teams had said this isn't going to work. So maybe they did run the simulation. They did prove right. Well, similarly, this is Formula One, the pinnacle of motorsport you would think that if they were going to introduce something as complicated and as significant to a change as the new qualifying rules they might have perhaps i don't know run it with some gp2 cars as a test to work it out beforehand or formula 3 or simulations my point is that i think they were daft to try and make this change without really testing it first because teams in formula one their whole reason d'etre is to find whatever it takes to win to interpret the rules in whatever way necessary to get around them to avoid having to rub their tires off wear their car down run the risk of hitting the wall whatever it is how could they not know that Formula One? The word omni-shambles comes to mind. Another aggravating thing is that it wouldn't be a bad idea. It's not crazy to suggest you might want to change the... Oh, oh. Oh, that's Bernie now. <laughs> Complaining. Oh, it's just his lawyers, don't worry. Sorry, that's... Uh, yeah. I have no turn my phone off. Uh, <laughs> OK, that won't happen again. Sorry. <laughs> As you were. Um, the other aggravating thing about this is it's not necessarily a bad idea to shake up 
Formula One qualifying because, no. as it stands, Formula One qualifying is a very good way of ensuring that the fastest car starts at the front and the slowest car starts at the back. Yeah. And if you do that and you've got reliable cars, as they more or less are now, and you've got a bunch of very good drivers, you know, that makes the race a bit more processional than it would be if you had a more jumbled up grid. Mm. So why not do something with qualifying to make the grid a bit less predictable? Yeah. The intent yeah. was good. The idea yeah, of also exactly. the sense of constant jeopardy of someone falling off every 90 seconds great idea it keeps the action spread out but how could they not think it through of what it would do to the final session well that's the thing it wasn't thought through you're right i think qualifying is due a shake-up perhaps but do something i know they want to keep people watching on the saturday as well as on the sunday on the telly mm. that's the whole point isn't it but the thing is you've got to think it through it can't just be some yeah. knee-jerk act that stinks of desperation but i think the ultimate headline here and what this proves about formula one in its current state is it is run by people who don't give a stuff what other people think and actually in this case that's dangerous mm-hmm. they, they just think do they things without ever going well, I don't, well i'm not listening better. to your objections or your concerns up to a point there can be a case for ignoring team's objections to certain rule changes for mm-hmm. example, because you know they will have certain vested interests in yes. not having their advantage if they're a front-running team eroded to not having their life made more difficult by this that the other so um, but you can spot those because you can go oh mercedes don't like this is it because it's going to stop them being so dominant Mm -hmm. or Or oh ferrari don't like this is it because they're constantly petulant and threatening things they never go through with and it's fine and you go oh well it seems like that force india don't like this Mm, the midfield don't like this why would that be you could figure out the objections but you can also sometimes just Listen to the dissenting voices amongst the people who actually drive and run the cars, because as in this case, they've been proved to be bang right. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying, F1 shouldn't be a democracy, but it also shouldn't be run by idiots. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So let's get the ACO in to run it, because they seem to manage to make fundamental rule changes and great ideas that everyone goes, oh yeah, we're going to have to do that. That's the plan, yeah, isn't it? There are worse ideas. Are you ready to order, Mr Eccleston? Yes, I'll have the roast swan. And Mr Horner? Yeah, no, I'll have the steak, please. Uh, no, no, my friend here will have a lobster with raw onion and mint chocolate ice cream. Uh, I don't think that's actually what I want, Bernie. Hush up, Horner. Your dinner needs a shake-up. Now bring him the minty choc onion lobster. As you wish, sir. The swan... And for sir, the lobster with raw onion and ice cream. It'll be a taste sensation. Tuck in, Christian. Oh, uh, no, Bernie. This just doesn't work for me. No, you're right. Complete error. Sorry. Do you want to go back to the steak? Well, yeah. <laughs> Make up your mind, Horner. You see, this is the exact reason why Formula One's in such disarray. But you run Formula One, Bernie. Excuse me, waiter. Uh, yes, sir? Kill him. Certainly, sir. Um, waiter, I've changed my mind. Unkill him. Step petrol! We Gareth Jones on speed! A notable thing about Formula One at the moment is that we have the greatest number of father and son combos... Ever, I think, in F1, if you think about it, we've got Jolyon Palmer, who is the son of... Robert Palmer. Yeah, Robert yeah. Palmer. <laughs> from, Still addicted to yeah, love. From Arcadia, yeah. Max Verstappen, who is the son of Minimum Verstappen, of course. 
Carlos Sainz Junior, who is the son of Carlos Sainz Senior, although he was never called that. And of course, Kevin Magnussen, who's the son of Jan Magnussen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and of course, Nico Rosberg, son of Kiki Rosberg. How could we forget? Lewis um, Hamilton, son of Dickie David Hamilton from Radio 2, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah. It, yeah. So it, basically, the message here is: if you want to get into Formula One, your dad's got to have been a racing driver. It what, does it? seem to help, but yeah, it mm. does. You don't help have you to be the son of a racing driver to work here, it, but it yeah. helps. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did you know that Vettel has named his car this year? Yes. Oh yeah. Um, is it Margarita? Yeah. Or, yeah is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which, curiously, as we all know, is a very popular pizza, but the pizza house that supplies Gareth Jones and Speed official pizzas before we make this programme, unofficial pizzas, they have a pizza called Ferrari. So the full gamut. What's his next one going to be? The Quattro Formaggio? Well, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, if I was to recommend a pizza from that particular pizza service, it would be the Quattro Formaggio. I do love the four cheese pizza. What if uh, the new Haas team turn out to just get better and better with every performance and they're really leading the pack and then Vettel goes to drive for them and he could call his car American Hot? Oh, okay. that could happen. Rather a long build-up for rather a terrible joke. I'm sorry. No, I'm with you. Completely with you. But the Ferraris look good. They got away quick, didn't they? They've got launch control sorted, haven't they, those Well, Ferraris? yeah, or was Mercedes just a bit slower for line mm. uh, this weekend? Certainly Vettel did a terrific job. Helped a little bit by Lewis underperforming a bit, maybe, for parts of the race. But Haas was probably the star of the weekend, yep. the Haas team. Granted, they may have got a little bit lucky with the red flag. That's what made the big difference um, when they... Took their pitch stop. It was a yes, short but pretty much everyone so, got lucky with the red flag in a way. It really jumbled things up. Ferrari sort of seemed to make a weird call around the red flag. But that's the thing, actually. And I'll be honest. I couldn't wait for the Haas team to get going because I thought they were going to be total comedy and mm. it would be really good material for having a right good laugh at someone that you know. And yeah. obviously, doing sniff petrol and stuff, I kind of need that for material. Yeah. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, they were not shit. They, did they a were great well, really good. I'm going to more than that. I'm going to absolutely sing the praises of the Haas team because, and even maybe stop calling them Haas in a deliberately facetious <laughs> way, but because that's the thing. It's not as easy as it looks to do what they no did, way. and they made the right calls and getting yeah. to sick there. It's like yeah. they're beating some people who've been around a long, long time yep. in this sport. And I know they've got the Ferrari engine and the Dallara chassis and stuff like that, but it's easy to say, oh well, they had a head start because they got all those bits. You could make a yeah, right well, hash you know, of having those bits. Manor have got a, a Williams gearbox, and they made a hash of it. Yeah, you know? McLaren have got a McLaren chassis. And and a Honda <laughs> <Ranger. laughs> you know, yeah. No, they did a, you know, a terrific job. Grosjean, yeah, big smile as well at the end, quite rightly. Yeah, it did an amazing job. Let's hope that continues. Let's hope that's not a little flash in the pan. I will call them out on one thing only, though, the hash team. Almost One killing thing. Fernando Alonso. Well, there was that. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Not his fault, though. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the car, the Haas logo, picture it in your head on the side. Mm. Yeah, so you know it's when like you... italic, yeah. red, and yeah. Four o'clock in the morning, you're driving down the M6, the M1, you wander, you're half asleep, you find yourself in that WH Smith, if it's still open, and you find. 124 scale model Formula One cars, sort of Chinese knockoffs made by some terrible company, and they've got things like racing team written on the side yeah. instead of yeah. McLaren, quite yeah. clearly a McLaren. The Haas, the paint scheme looks like one of those Chinese knockoffs. Bless yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, great, it's a strong image. But it's just not Formula One yet, is oh, it? Oh, I'll tell you what I'm enjoying, though, now that all the official cars are out there and the official schemes is the Renault. Are we talking colour schemes? Yeah. 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 Renault, Renault, yellow. Yeah. Max. 
yeah. yellow. Oh, yeah. Not yes. Nice. Definitely. The Red Bull matte. I, nice. Because it's not flat matte like a Russian gangster's Mercedes in Kensington. No, it's, it's a sort of, sort of sheeny matte. Yeah, it's so nice. so it's a I, semi-matte. I think you'll find it's silk. They call it matte. I think you'll find it's silk. Like a silk emulsion. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's like Dulux silk emulsion. Yeah. And they do get to say it's what? Oh, oh, are, they? are they? I thought it was 500 grams on the Renault. It, what, because it's not lacquered? No, it must be lacquered. It, though, it can't it? be weight because... It's what they say. Really? Yeah, it's what they say. I understand the aero okay, thing. Okay, a fiver says it's aero, not weight. I will show you the Renault press release that says it's weight. Okay, oh, yeah. uh, this is going to be bad. Okay, <laughs> okay no, no, no. Um, Well, we'll check this release out. But, but you're right, the aero thing. You talk about different surface temperature due to colour making air change its behaviour over a surface. But do you remember many, many years ago, perhaps even 20 years ago, there was lots of investigation into... I forget the term, but the idea was that you had a wing with almost like a sock over it, and that sock had air fed into it, which bled through tiny porous holes. So the top surface of the wing had tiny, tiny holes of air coming off. And what Mm -hmm. this does is help with the laminar flow. It helps air either retain its position as it follows an aerodynamic shape or break away. And there's some possibility that a silk or matte finish will keep the air adhered longer for laminar flow than a shiny surface would, which is surprising. Well, there's an aero advantage in that paint. Because um, someone from the Mercedes team once told me that they actually do run sort of sticky stuff over the bodywork of the car before the race, for the reasons you're talking about. They do well, run flovis. No, 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 this is, is not in, you know, in testing, obviously, they do the yeah. Yeah, flovis. But no, before the race, there is something they apply to the car. Really? Like a, like a wax or yes, an oil yes, or something? Yes, but something like that. Again, stop asking me questions because I don't know the answers. <laughs> I wish I'd paid more attention when I was told this. Yeah, that there is something they do to the car because they believe it has this tiny, tiny, tiny but important yeah. aero effect. But we like the look of the Renault in that mustard colour, don't yeah, we? Terrific. Yeah, terrific. Although somebody on Twitter pointed out that when Palmer and Ken Magnuson are walking around with those yellow overalls peeled down with their white Nomex on, they just look like peeled bananas. They look exactly <laughs> like peeled bananas, don't they? It's beautiful. A couple of things I'm noticing the looks of the cars. The Renault is a Jordan, right? You know, it evokes the colour of the old Jordans, having a yellow car. Not the 40. There's a retro yeah, there's something thing going that. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The Red Bull looks like a 90s Sauber. Do you remember before Red Bull owned the team, they used to sponsor Sauber and look back in the 90s cars. It's almost exactly the colour that it is now. But you're right, that lovely contrast between the matte or silk and the day glow of the Red Bull. It looks weirdly sort of almost artificial like it's yeah. a CGI car. Like it's drawn. Yeah, because yeah, it yeah, looks yeah, sort yeah. of somehow sheenier than the other cars. So it looks yeah. like it's been dropped in in post-production. But Yeah, yeah it's like saturated. It. The colours are that oversaturated. Yes, it's oversaturated. Exactly that. Yeah. yeah, the McLaren is in fact a 2010 HRT. That's not a joke. It actually performs like one. And, but look, it has the same paint scheme as the 2010 HRT. I, I reckon they're waiting until they've got the car performing as well as a McLaren should before they actually make it look really good. That's yeah. their idea, you know? I knew that they're there just, was a reason. They're flying what they below the radar for a while. Ferrari, with all the red, white and green, it's either a 312, like I said before, or it's a Scuderia Italia. Do you remember when they used to run in Formula One? Their paint scheme looks very much like the current Yeah, well, no. It is a Ferrari throwback and looks great. Yeah, nice looking pack of cars generally, I'd say. But it'd be just nice if they were on the track At in the, the same part of qualifying. <laughs> a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The race was good, wasn't it? It got off to a good start. The Ferraris pinged away. Nico, I have to admit, I was surprised that Nico did so well because Lewis did well in qualifying, but Nico 
took command of that race. Oh, yeah. I've just remembered. Sorry. What? The best thing of the weekend by far. Yeah, but we can't uh, talk about that. You, you, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the best thing of my weekend thus far was nice the race was on early because I got that out of the way and then I took my little boys to the London Transport Museum, which I would highly recommend if you have a two-year-old who's obsessed with trains and buses and everything with wheels. Uh, That's by the by. The highlight of the weekend from the Formula One point of view... So with Mark Webber, maybe? No. What's normally the Chamber of Embarrassment, you know, yeah. that room they yeah, have to yeah, go into yeah, after, yeah. was a garage of embarrassment... Yeah. A lot more room for the embarrassment, but not so much embarrassment. It was Vettel and Hamilton doing a comical reenactment of the cap throwing yes. incident. Yes. <laughs> yes. Vettel threatened to throw the cap at Hamilton, and Hamilton did the ah and put his hands up, no, no, and then Vettel stepped back and so could Vettel could get a bit of distance to give it a good lob, and it was just great. Lewis and Vettel have become a bit matey recently. What I call the not liking Nico syndrome. Well, I was gonna say the Syrian syndrome. Your enemy is also uh, my friend. The yeah. enemy, my enemy is my friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I think Lewis is allowing that to happen just to wind Nico up because although they seem to be getting on and did in fact hug at one point Lewis and Mm. Nico over the weekend given an opportunity Lewis wants to grind him into the dust doesn't he I think also it wasn't one of them when they hugged one of them was just using the opportunity to rub some lead into his suit (laughs) to put him over the weight limit (laughs) come here you Ah, Lewis, how are you, Minyo Cham? Yeah, word up, Seb. Respect. Hey, Lewis, <laughs> who is this? Oh, wah, wah, I am not liking you, and now I am throwing a hat at you because I'm a big baby. <laughs> Man, that's, like, totally funny. Oh, I am not as good as my daddy, and now I'm complaining about something on the radio. <laughs> You're too funny, man. Hashtag hilarious. Wait, wait, wait. Now, who's this? Oh, yeah, I think I'm a rap artist. I'm pretending to wear glasses, and my dog ate my real accent. Man, you're totally not my friend anymore. Oh, you'll come back. So always do. Look, here's my old friend Mark. Hey, Sabo, how you going? Very good, old friend. So we might, yeah? Of course, of course. Champagne shower! Oh, come on! What? Multi-21, Seb. Multi-21. Gareth Jones on Speed. This part of Gareth Jones on Speed will probably be interrupted by a cat that sounds like an old Formula One car. Finn has just come in the room and has been squeaking away and he'll probably squeak throughout this bit. But talking about the noise of Formula One, did you listen carefully to the car's this year round I think they sound a bit more visceral I think they sound a bit more guttural a bit more raspy not much but there is an improvement I'm not sure I can tell the difference for you really yeah I'll have another listen but there were a couple of bits watching the coverage over the weekend where I think maybe reporters were standing in the pit lane or nearby and I thought they seemed a bit louder, but it's hard to tell over a microphone and down the telly, isn't it? I don't know. I, Overall, I didn't spot too much difference. I but don't know if it's louder, but it's a raspier tone. They sounded a bit drone-like before. They sort of went... And now they go... You know, there is a... Well, that's not a bad impression, actually. Even if I say so myself. You know, there is a dirtiness to it, which is good. It's still not enough. It adds to the excitement, as we know, but it's an improvement. They got that bit right. Better than the qualifying. But this year, if you're watching Formula One in the UK, it's moved to a new TV channel. Channel 4 
have it now who have always been the alternative channel here in Britain I think their culture will bring something rather good to Formula 1 I think it might even get to some new people do you think different people watch Channel 4 to watch BBC 1 I don't know I suspect the demographic is a little bit different but viewing habits and viewing patterns are changing in so many ways with the impact of other media in any case I would think in a way for, for Formula 1 not being on the BBC or ITV, not being on one of the big channels in that way, possibly seems like a bit of a step backwards. Mm -hmm. But that said, my first impressions of Channel 4's coverage were that they did a very good job, particularly given how little time they'd have had to put it all together. You know, Steve Jones is a very good front man for the thing. You know, it had quite a BBC-ish feel in a lot of ways, but maybe just a bit you know, sort of lighter in tone, a bit more fun. Richard, you have to declare full disclosure, don't you? I do. I have a declaration of interest because Channel 4 coverage is being made by a company called Whisper Films, which is no secret. This was in the newspapers. Jake Humphrey and David Coulthard's production company. Well, they are some of the owners. But my wife is their head of production, so I, <laughs> I think the Channel 4 coverage was absolutely brilliant. Now, do you know what the thing is? I was watching it, and I was like, this is such a relief because it's really good. Yeah. So I don't have to lie at home. But I genuinely do that. And I'm not just saying that because I'm sucking up to my own wife, but I did think they did a really good job. It was getting, yeah, like you yeah, said, and I know how little time they had to do that because it was sort of just before Christmas, or was it just after Christmas? They got the deal. And then they had this incredible scramble in just a few weeks to put together this whole thing, including finding new presenter and doing all of these other behind the scenes things you'll never even know about mm -hmm. just nuts and bolts stuff at one point as well my wife doesn't tell me stuff because she has this policy which she's had ever since she used to work on Big Brother years ago and she never used to tell me anything about it because A I wasn't interested and B <laughs> it, it, she just knew that if then there was a leak that. in the press she could say well I know yeah. it's not me because I've yeah. told no yeah. one not even my own husband about this she had a non-disclosure agreement she had a non-disclosure yeah. agreement like a steel trap my wife the Big Brother thing was really funny because even to this day sometimes we'll be driving around London in the South East and she'll go oh, I've stayed in that hotel but like, what do you mean you've stayed in that hotel if you know London the Hangar Lane Gyratory yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. right there's a hotel there a rather horrible looking I was hotel gonna say, it's going to be a really horrible yeah. yeah. good hotel and we were driving uh, past it one day and my wife went I've stayed there like, uh, but it, that's not even that far from our house what are you talking about we've got to stay there and I forgot she disappeared I knew she was disappearing with the Big Brother contestants before they were made public they all had to be squirreled away in hotels around London and before they were they taken were. away. Yeah. Some of them, and she was one of the production team, and she How had to awful. stay in the hotel but not tell anyone. You know, so I didn't know where she was. She just went, yeah. I'll be away for the next few nights. I mean, so if you ever want to have an affair, just get a job on Big Brother because it's a brilliant <laughs> cover. Okay, so she didn't tell me who any of the presenting team were, and it was in the papers or people were speculating about it. And they were going to say, of course, Coulthard's doing it. And I think they'd guessed that Karen Shandock was doing it. That came up quite earlier. But the Alain yeah. Prost thing was a complete surprise. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Alain Prost, you didn't... But then, better than that, she said, oh, he's lovely. He's oh. really lovely. And I was like, that <laughs> yes. is even better to know. And then, is he as smooth as his driving style? And she went, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, you didn't watch Formula 1 in the 80s, did you? So this is all lost on you now. Years ago, I remember stopping at a petrol station in France, and the guy that was serving behind the desk, the guy on the cash register was an absolute dead ringer for Alan Prost. Now, it, it clearly wasn't. You know, Alan well, Prost was not working sure? at a petrol station in the middle of the night. Well, yeah, because in the daytime, sure. he's being Alan Prost. <laughs> didn't he we can only do the night shift. Didn't we have a song once about mm. someone who looked like Alan yeah, we Prost? Did, didn't we did, yeah. I liked hearing, and I mean hearing Karen Shanduk on the programme, particularly in the bit where he was in conversation, as their sort of tyre expert, in conversation with Steve Jones, because it was the most Welsh 
best thing we've had in Formula One for years. Because, <laughs> you know, Karen sounds very West Wheelian. You can tell, you know, he's in Indian or West Wheel, same thing. And Steve Jones, you listen to him, so like Tom, everything is the same accent as Tom Jones. And we've had years of plenty of English people, plenty of Scots on the Formula One coverage, and some Irish, but we haven't had a Welshman, apart from Karen. And now we had two in one moment. I was so happy, despite the fact I'd like to be doing that gig. I know I'm never going to get it because I'm old and bald and past me prime. But you'd expect me to be jealous of anyone else called Jones from Wales who was doing this programme. But I loved his style. He was very enthusiastic. Oh, bright-eyed. His eyes were open. Hang on, I'm doing Rod Gilbert now. Rod Gilbert can do it, couldn't he? <laughs> Formula One, I had no idea. They had to stop. But yeah, that it was Rod good. Gilbert did that line about, I think we've mentioned this before. He said that accents lend themselves to different things and some American accent lends itself to dynamic heroism and maybe a Scottish accent to sort of dual pragmatism and a Welsh accent is entirely geared around saying, oh, look, a bee. <laughs> but um, I thought Steve Jones is a very good booking I agree with you on that again I'm just sucking up to my wife but what I didn't realise is that he genuinely is interested in Formula 1 and also that you could see like Jake Humphrey when he went in there and started it and people went oh he's a kids TV presenter not realising how much Jake is into sport and mm. also how much homework he did as well to fill in the gaps in his knowledge that he didn't have about Formula 1 and I gather that Steve Jones is doing the same thing to make sure that he is absolutely on it fair play to him thought he did a good job yeah. I do think Shandock's a great booking I've got to tell you, well, I was, so knowledgeable. I was in a social situation really... the other day and I introduced Karun Shantok to James May. Ah. Long story, can't bore you with it now. But hey, I found myself in a position where I was like... a couple of names you haven't dropped. I know, I know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> because I, was, I, I do know James May. I don't know Karun Shantok. I have interviewed him before, but he was with my wife because she does know him because yeah. obviously they work together now. And so she, and she knows James because I've known James for two years, and she came over and went, James, this is Karun. And I went, oh yeah, sorry, James, Karun, J- Karun James, and kind of did that. Did, and then... They had a nice old chat. It was only when they went apart, and then I was talking to my wife. She went, "Does James know who Karun Shandok is?" And I went, "No, he's no idea. <laughs> no, not a clue." But, but you know, he's a polite man. Karun yeah. Shandok's a very polite man. I don't even know what they were talking about. It was a bit weird. Interior decorating, probably. When celebrities don't know who each other are. <laughs> <laughs> the race coverage was very, very good. I thought Coulthard managed to get over that thing he used to do. He always. Had this habit of when he was commentating, everything he would say would finish in the same tone. And I've complained about this on the programme before. Uh, he seemed to have eliminated that. Is that because he's the boss now? He seemed genuinely relaxed and a bit more fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought so. I think it's just, maybe it is. I think it's a bit more practice as well, I mean, to be honest. I mean, cause it mm-hmm. does take a while for people who've been professional sportsmen. They may be sharp, but to mature as a presenter, mm-hmm. it's a very different skill set and to get good at it isn't easy. Of the drivers turned presenters, Brundle, I think, is the one who's been particularly good and shown yeah. a real aptitude for it. Mind you, we enjoyed Blundell's creative use of the English language. Let's be honest. I'd like him back. I should have suggested that to the Whisper Lodge. Go on, give him him a call. Give him a call. And I thought Ben Edwards was particularly off the scale in terms of the Ben Edwards. Oh, scale. Oh, and it's by the first corner. He got very excited. The first corner, he didn't have anywhere to go. I thought, how did he get up? He's gone so high so early. An old spitting image sketch about David Coleman, where they did the thing where he left himself nowhere to go. Head explosion. Screaming jet engine about to explode. And the point at which Alonso got involved with Esteban Gutierrez, um, who's got a very small face. Have you ever noticed? (laughs) Esteban Gutierrez, very small face. Whereas Ooh. Alonso has quite a big head. Big head, yes, he does. He's a head. Bigger as, it, as he gets more hair as well. It creates yeah. the illusion of this sort of leonine 
head. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I tell you what, and I put this on Twitter this week that I just find Alonso increasingly likable. And I was oh. not a massive fan oh. of Alonso the man. And I've said this on the show before. Terrific driver, I never question that. But I always thought there's various things he's done in the past that I thought made him rather dislikable. But now he's on the back foot and the McLaren is still not great. He's a different character and a much, much nicer one. It's great. I'm really enjoying Fun Alonso. Yeah, we need a new bogeyman. We're missing the bad guy, the guy who you can take against. You're right. I like Hamilton because I think he's a great driver. But it's almost like he's trying harder and harder to make himself less likeable with his fake glasses and his nonsense. He does some silly stuff. I mean, he's off the casino and the selfie. But I can't hold that against him at all. You know, he's having a good time and he's doing his thing. But then he gets to the track and he delivers. Well, exactly, yeah. I'm taking a Gin Rosberg more and more. I just find him irritating. Yeah, well, he gets a bit petulant. And the cap throwing thing he will never be allowed to live that down no he, not he least by Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton it, it seems and the three people on this programme who will mention it at every opportunity yeah, you've been listening to Gareth Jones on speed he was Zog goodbye he was Richard goodbye and we're going to leave you with the usual tune that we finished the programme covering the first race of the season with here's F1's back 2016 see ya get song lyrics join our facebook fan site follow us on twitter or to find out about sponsorship opportunities go to garethjones.tv ah lewis how are you min your chum <laughs> was that a bit west indian or was it just a german badly attempting to be british <laughs> body language the way it was wonderful <clears throat> man that's like totally funny <clears throat> that was Mick Jack. <laughs> no, I liked it because that's, <laughs> yeah? that's okay. Hamilton, isn't it? His okay. accents all over the place. <clears throat> Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>